Welcome back to the Flat Out RC podcast, the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis and drones. My name's Andrew Sill, coming to you from the land down under in Melbourne, Australia. And now guess what? I might be located down here in Australia, but that doesn't stop us from having international guests. And this week we have Jonathan Vogt from the Lighter Side of RC YouTube channel joining us. What a big guest. So stay tuned for my chat with Jonathan. You're really going to enjoy it, especially if you're a subscriber to his YouTube channel. We get we get a bit behind the scenes. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to Jonathan, let's have a look what's been happening around the traps. Well, what is happening around the traps? Uh, a lot. I, I, I like promoting upcoming events. As I said, if anybody's got any events that they want me to promote, please send me a message, get onto the FlatoutRC webpage, flatoutrc.com.au, or the Facebook page is a good one, Messenger. Um, just tell me, no matter where you are in the world, if you want me to plug something, just yell out. Maybe one day some, I'm going to get like 30 requests and I'll have a whole podcast of just me plugging events. But anyway, there's a couple of big ones that I want to shout out. Uh, Big ones coming up, the Festival of Aero Modelling in Australia, up at Inglewood in Queensland. It's an eight-day event. That's a lot of model plane flying eight days. Uh, so if you if you want to get out there and have a whole bunch of fun and fly model aeroplanes, at a, it's a full-size airport, multiple flight lines, 26th of June to the 3rd of July. So it's coming up. It's not that far away, another month or so away. 26th of June to the 3rd of July at the Inglewood Airport. Um, you can fly what you want. Bring anything, scale, aerobatic, jets, gliders, you name it. It's because there's four, four flight lines. And I think there's like, it's a bit like a Joe, Joe Nile where um, uh, you've got multiple different flight lines for different things. Like there'll be an aerobatics flight line and scale flight line, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can camp on site, self-contained camping on site. There's motel and caravan parks nearby in the township of Inglewood, which is, Inglewood, which is very supportive of the event. Um, there'll be marquees for hire and also golf carts if you want to get around because there's a fair bit of space. I think they're still offering all of that. That's what I've been told. Uh, jump onto alsm.com.au, alsm.com.au, Australian Large Scale Models. Uh, I'm confusing everybody. alsm.com.au. You can buy tickets there. I'm not sure how much tickets cost, but get online and register. Um, You'll uh, you can pay online, all that kind of stuff. So festival era modelling, just get there. Eight days of flying. Uh, I won't be making it to it. It's um due to work commitments. Not the work. Uh, and so twenty sixth of June to the third of July, Inglewood Airport. That is coming up. We we showcased it last year, and everybody had a ball. And I think this year is even bigger. Uh, David Gall, who someone on the organising committee, um reached out to me before he's gone off. Even as I speak, he's over in the US. He um, said that they had 70 registrations and no doubt there's plenty more than that uh, by now. So numbers are looking good. One other event uh, that I've been plugging, it's the New South Wales Pattern Flyers, their NSWPF 1000 Aerobatics Competition. Uh, basically, you can win $1,000, I think it is. $1,000 cash prize. So... Um, we will be holding the second NSWPF 1000 at the Rebel Flying Club Field located off Cabbage Tree Road, Ash Island in Hexham, New South Wales on the 24th to the 25th of June. You could go to this event and on your way up, keep on going. You could go to the event in New South Wales. It's on the way to Inglewood. 
24th to the 25th of June. Uh, the club, this club has supported F3A for many years and the NSWPF are grateful for their continued support. Well done to the Rebel Flying Club. Uh, so, yeah, $1,000 cash prize. Sounds good. Pattern planes are awesome to fly. If you've never flown a, pa- flown a pattern plane, you want to fly something that makes you look really good, go and buy a pattern plane. But I tell you what, if you go and have a look at what the F3A guys are doing at that top level, gee, it's amazing. The discipline and the skill is just off the chart. So get on down. 24th to 25th of June at the Rebel Flying Club for the NSW, the New South Wales Pattern Flyers, 1,000 aerobatics competition, and you can win a $1,000 cash prize. Competition is beginner-friendly, so you can have the chance to practice and participate in pattern flying. So how to get started. We're talking about how to get started. Um, That's in the competition. The winner of each class will fly an extra flyer round in which they can perform their respective manoeuvre schedule. So everybody flies in their category. The winners then fly again, and then the judges judge which one do the best, I think. The pilot who scores the highest percentage compared to their promotional competition rule score average will take home grand prize. Don't know what that means, but it means something. Anyway, 24th to 25th of June. Now, what's been happening around the traps? I've literally, as I record this, because I normally record my intros and outros the weekend before the podcast goes live, so it gives me time to edit the podcast in advance. Normally on a Sunday evening, that's what I'm doing Sunday evening, is editing the podcast. I have literally just come back from the Bairnsdale Mid-May Muster event. Now, had a good time. I went up there on the Friday night, and I drove and stayed with a friend of mine who lives nearby. The one and only John Lord, who's been on the podcast. Go and have a look at listen to John Lord's podcast. Um, John Lord's an amazing guy, um, renowned go-kart engine builder that also has a bit of a penchant for uh, model engines as well, flies uh, flies radio-controlled planes, mainly he loves those classic pattern style of planes, got heaps of them, and, and uh, loves building them and that kind of thing as well. Happens to be in a wheelchair as well uh, and does a great job and um, stayed with him and had a great time. Awesome bloke, awesome time. Got there Friday night, straight to the pub for dinner with the Greek gang, back to his place, watch a few YouTube videos, play his guitars that are lying around, get up in the morning, down to the field. Blowing a gale, windy. I didn't even bother getting my planes out of the trailer. Took my whole trailer. My plan was to fly my big models, 100ccs. And yes, everyone says... To all those people that are out there that say to my friends at flying events, that guy from Flat Out RC, does he ever just fly? Does he ever fly or just talk about it? No, I talk about it for a podcast. No, podcast is all about talking. You have to talk. It's my voice. I have to talk on a podcast. Otherwise, it'd be dead air. There'd be silence. And who's going to listen to that? And do I fly? Yes, I do fly. I've actually done more flying this year, I think, than I did in the past 12 months. I've done heaps of flights this year. Anyway, my plan was to go and fly my big planes, my 100cc. I actually had to get it recertified. My friend Dominic, the president of the peanut gallery, was going to recertify it. Didn't have to do much. Just get up there, fly. He's certified the plane before. Couldn't, didn't even bother getting out of the trailer because the weather was, was – I knew a big, massive rain band was coming. And I thought, there were already plenty of planes under cover. I just don't need to bring out another couple of big planes and clog up the space. So I just waited. We sat around the clubhouse trying to stay warm because it was pretty chilly. And then it hit about half past one, quarter to two in the afternoon, and everything cleared up. The rain showers had gone through. The wind had died down to nothing. There was you know, a few clouds in the sky, but plenty of sun. And I went, okay, this is my opportunity. Get out there. Darcy Wilson was there. Uh, Tony Wilson's son, Darcy, helps me a lot. Good guy. I said, Darcy, come on, we're going to go for a fly. Help me. 
get the plane together, did a flight. Dominic from the peanut gallery thought it was a good flight, no problem, signed off the papers to recertify the plane for another three years. And then I did another flight after that, um, threw the plane around a bit more. It was an aerobatic plane. It was a 3D hobby shop, 100cc, slick, slick 540. Great plane, awesome plane, love flying the plane. And I hadn't started it for, I reckon, a year. Well, look, Darcy started it for me, but it started really, really easily, which was good to see. And, um, yeah, had a great time flying that plane, landed it well, great strips there at Bansdale, but everybody else was flying as well. There's all sorts of different things from, you know, jets and, you know, Dominic had his Hangar 9 Pawnee out, um, decathlons, John Googe was there from the VMAA flying uh, his decathlon and um, all sorts of different planes, um, which is really good to see. And so there's a lot of flying happening in a short period of time. Pack up, off to the pub for another meal. Back to John's place, watch some YouTube videos, some music, play some guitar, get up in the morning, go back to the field for the for the mid-May muster event, the official day on the Sunday. And unfortunately, the weather forecast was horrendous. There were showers, it was blowing a gale. And as I left John's house, John said, oh, look, I'm not coming out to the field. The weather's no good. I was just going to stay here. And he said, no one will be flying anyway. I said, well, there's always one person that will be flying and any bets is Darcy Wilson. And sure enough, I'm driving in down the driveway to the club and Darcy Wilson's flying his aerobatic plane. And uh, so I didn't see many flights after that. My plan was just to hitch the trailer up and go home because the weather forecast, was, it was it was pretty windy. And most people did. Like As an example, the raffle draw happened at about 10.30. Normally a raffle draw happens in the afternoon at about 3 o'clock. But uh, unfortunately, we can't do anything about the weather. But the good thing is about the Bensdale Club is heaps of people turn up before the event. They enjoy going to that that field. And so there were plenty of people that had been camping there for days, you know, since like Wednesday last week. Um, so Wednesday to Sunday trip. And uh, so, you know, people got their flying fix, you know, on the Saturday and, and Friday as well. Plenty of people flew on the Friday. So um, as I always say, I, love, I do love going to events. I just mentioned to my son, I said, Charlie, I just drove for six hours there and back to fly two flights, but still had a good time. Got home. Cleaned the trailer. It was filthy. Got road grime all over it from the wet wet roads and whatever. Cleaned it all up. And now it's time to edit the podcast. But I'll tell you what, as you can tell, I'm, I'm still buzzing. Really had an enjoyable time. It's always good to catch up with my error modeling buddies. Always good to get out of town. Get out of your comfort zone. You don't always have to go to the same flying club. Expand your horizons. Go to a local event. Go Drive up to Queensland and go to the Festival of Error Modeling. Go to the New South Wales Pattern Flyers uh, competition if you're, if you're getting into um pattern flying get in your car go make the effort because you'll come back meeting new people enjoying different surroundings seeing some different model planes different pilots flying different flying styles have a nice meal together have a bit of a chit chat rib each other as you're supposed to do that's what we do we just pick on each other when we go to flying fields and you'll have a great time get on down get down to your local events It's guest time, my favourite part of the podcast. And this week's guest is an international guest, as I mentioned earlier. And a lot of you may know this gentleman. He is Jonathan Vogt, V-O-G-T. A lot of people say Vogt, but it's Vogt, V-O-G-T, Vogt. Jonathan hails from Calgary in Canada. Uh, And he is the guy behind a, a really great YouTube channel called The Lighter Side of RC. Now, if you're into jets, if you're into building, 
this guy does an amazing job. He's got over 30,000 subscribers. So that that's big for, for radio control flying. That's like, he's one of the, one of the leaders in, in, uh, on, on YouTube when it comes to some really good, knowledgeable, um, thoughtful kind of content. You know, it's not just plane crash kind of compilations. It's, he's building jets he's showing you how he's doing it step by step and what you'll see through this interview is how much time jonathan really commits to building the content and and that's what i tried to do with this interview i said to him at the start you know this is about understanding your life in rc and then a bit of behind the scenes because people can go to your youtube channel and see exactly what you do but they've probably got a whole bunch of questions about you the person where you get your models from to build you know where do you fly you know, what are the challenges in producing the content? You know, how, do, how much time do you spend? And so we cover all that. Uh, and so it was really, really good to to have Jonathan come in and join me. Um, the great thing this internet, the world that the internet does is provides this opportunity to talk to anybody around the world. Managing time differences is always a challenge that, you know, I was recording this on a Friday at 11 a.m. and it was, it was Thursday, 7.30 p.m. in Canada. So it's always a bit of a juggle to try to, find the right times we could fit in with people, but we managed to pull it off and I'm glad we did. So here is my chat with the lighter side of RC, the man behind it, Jonathan Boat. We are back with an international guest and what a guest he is, a gentleman coming from, I think it's Calgary in Canada, Jonathan Vote from the lighter side of RC. Welcome to the Flat Out RC podcast. Thank you very much for having me. This is awesome. It is Calgary you're from, isn't it? Uh, it is, yeah. Born and raised in Calgary. Right now, living about 20 minutes south of Calgary in the middle of nowhere, which is perfect. There's something about living in the middle of nowhere. And I'll tell you what, we had, <laughs> we had a bit of a chat off air and how I, I, you know, I told you how I spent a couple of months in Canada. And I remember being in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by snow-capped mountains. And for the first time in my life, I'd stopped to just take in what I was seeing because it was phenomenal. Yeah. So it's a good place to be in Canada in the middle of nowhere. I wish I was there at the moment. In the middle Absolutely. Of <laughs> it's not bad. We have a lot to cover because you're doing some amazing things through the lighter side of RC on, on your YouTube channel and, and beyond and um, extremely impressed with it. And But standard question to get things moving is how did you get into this aero modeling thing? Well, it's, uh, this also ties in with the title of the, of the channel, but um, I started dabbling in RC world when I was a kid, like I guess teenagers type thing. And I remember going into the hobby stores and seeing the airplanes and stuff there and, and never having anybody to show me the way. I didn't know there was such a thing as clubs and things like that. So I did the car thing when I was younger. And about 10 years went by of not doing anything with the RC world. And then when I was uh, in my mid-20s, I happened into uh, one of the, uh, the hobby stores, the local hobby stores. And I was in there looking at the cars at the time. And I'm like, I'm going to go over to the, ha- to, the, to the airplane section. So I wandered over to the airplane section. And I was floored with all the stuff that was available. I mean, I saw helicopters, uh, planes, all, all this different stuff. And I was just almost instantly hooked. I ended up buying a helicopter kit, uh, teaching myself how to fly helicopters. And that's, so that's actually what I started with anything that left the ground was, was helis. And, uh, did that for a couple of years, uh, bought a foamy airplane, flew that for a couple months. 
And one of my friends named Andrew, he called me up one day and he, we flew helicopters together and he called me up one day and he said, you need to come to the field and check this thing out. And I, so I met him at our, our flying field at the time. And, uh, I, I showed up and there's just this piece of junk thing with a turbine strapped to the back. And when I saw that thing after he fired it up and heard it and smelt it, I was like hooked on the next level stuff. So shortly after I ended up buying my first turbine aircraft, sold all my helicopter stuff. And, uh, that was, that's kind of the history of it or the, or the start of it all, I guess. I have a saying here on Flat at RC, all roads lead to jets. And so, <laughs> uh, but when you, what was your first plane that you flew though? Your first radio control plane? My first plane fixed wing was a uh, Horizon Hobby Extra 300, the little orange and white thing. Okay. Took, took a little uh, three cell lipo, I think is what it was. So what year are we talking here that you got it back in? Uh, that would be about 2009, 2008 is when I flew my first fixed wing aircraft. Yeah. Okay. I was, because I was, when, as soon as you said I got into a helicopter kit, I did the same thing mm -hmm. in 2007. I bought a T Rex 450. Yeah, that, that was my first one too. So there you go. <laughs> and then, so that damn you T Rex 450. You've cost us a yeah, lot of money. <laughs> Look at how much we've spent on the the hobby since then. But um, so yeah, so I was putting two and two together, going any bets it's sort of that 2007 2008 yeah. era. And yeah, sure enough, you get out of the hellies and you get into fixed wings, and um, it was a good time for hellies though. So vibrant yeah. back then whereas exactly. it's died off a bit now i still love yeah. i have a i have a t-rex 550 sitting in my office that i just nice. look at because i love the little <laughs> helicopters absolutely love them. me yeah me me too i've got a goblin uh what is that a, a 670 or 570 or whatever yeah. it is sitting up up on the shelf and i just i haven't flown it in a year and a half but it's it, i i do still have a soft spot for them yeah no i definitely do i think they'll come back you know like I don't know what's happening in, in Canada, but in Australia, the turbine scene is really just going crazy. Like, yeah, I'll give you examples. A friend of mine that two years ago said, oh, I can't stand jets. I don't know why people buy them. <laughs> Seven jets later in two yeah. years. I said, yeah, <laughs> He's well. been bitten by the bug, eh? Yeah. And, uh, so, but interesting, you got a, a, an extra as your first plane. How long did it last? Uh not, not very long before I put it in. I, I remember taking it off and thinking, okay, this is going to be easy as long as I keep the thing moving forward. And, uh, and I ended up, I think, high speed stalling it. I was pulling it too hard in the corners, mm. piled it into the ground, bought a new, I think it was a new fuselage or something. So that thing was rebuilt quite a few times. Um, but it, it, it got me started in the fixed wing stuff, but it, I only flew it for a couple months before I, I ended up buying my first uh, gas aircraft. Yeah. Okay. Did you did you learn on a simulator or no? Just trial and error. In all the years, yeah, all the years I've probably spent less than a few a few hours on a simulator. Oh, really? See, oh, I love the mm -hmm. oh, the simulator worked wonders. Oh, my first flight, my first ever flight in a fixed wing plane was great. Took off and landed it. First flight. <laughs> But it was nice. years. But same with the helicopters. I'm surprised even with helicopters. Uh, I, I did a lot of simulator time on helicopters um, before I actually flew a helicopter, which sort of helped because uh, we know how tricky they can be. 
Yeah, for sure. Okay, so then you get into, you said you bought your first gas model, right? What was that? Mm -hmm. uh, that was an AeroWorks uh, Extra 300 as well. And uh, that was a 30cc model. So 30cc gas plane. Um, first thing that complicated that I've ever put together. Okay, so far we're running parallel with our careers. Um, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Same thing, I'm right? A big well, <laughs> yeah, I won't go into the details, but, yeah, I'm a big fan of extras. And, yeah, so I've got a 30cc. Yeah. I was a 3D hobby shop dealer in Australia, so I, I've got a lot of 3D oh, hobby nice. shop planes. So, yeah, yeah, um, 30cc, yep. But plan was always I had, I think, a trainer plane and then straight away I got into aerobatics. Mm -hmm. And actually, yeah, I bought an extra. Still got it. Um, okay, so you bought the 30cc. <laughs> You obviously then liked flying aerobatics or something that was a bit more sporty. Well, something a little bit bigger, something more sporty. I mean, I just I, I bought it because I ended up in the hobby store one day and I just asked the owner. I said, "What's a what's a good gas a, like a good gas or plane to start with?" And you know, never flown one before, and that's what I walked out with with all the parts to go along with it. So, um, you know, I, at the time when I got it, I really didn't know a ton about the the aerobatic aircraft and uh, i was just getting it and, and learning along the way yeah i always say that aerobatic planes um they're very forgiving oh very much so compared to like a compared to a turbine aircraft or even i guess helis i mean your instant throttle response you know you're landing and you get in trouble you just throttle up and it just goes you know yeah. you go around right you can recover you know, there's, there's they're easy yeah, yeah exactly well okay so then how old were you? Give us a, an age bracket as well, just for the for the listeners, so we can. Um, so I would have been twenty five in two thousand and five. So when I first started uh, flying, I was, I guess, twenty seven. Um, I'm forty three now. So okay, I'm six years older than you, but we're close. <laughs> we're in the same ballpark. Close enough. Say. Close enough. Yeah. Still under fifty. <laughs> yeah, because I always ask that because the common thread here on this podcast is uh, a lot of people start when they're young and they hit the age of eighteen mm -hmm. and and I call it they find wine, women, and song and they yes. drop out of the hobby for a while. But you've come in after, you know, obviously schooling, probably already establishing a career, and then you've got into the yeah. hobby. So um, so exactly. that's good. Okay. First jet. When did the jets come about? <laughs> So from memory, I think that was 2009, I believe, maybe 2008, but, but like 2008, nine uh, was when I got my first jet. So I, I mentioned that I went to the field with Andrew and we, uh, I, I saw him fire this thing up at the similar time. He met a, a fellow who we're still friends with today. And uh, we, we actually have flown at his private field for since then. But I ended up buying my first plane from him. And his name is Bruce. And I forget what it was called, but we always called it the big triangle or just the triangle. Hmm. And uh, it was actually a, a tail, like a prop pusher type kit. Um, had verticals on it. No rudders, just a big delta wing. Had Robart gear on it. And had a little, at the time, a little uh, Ren uh, 45. And uh, that's what I, I learned to fly turbine aircraft on. And it was nose heavy all the time. Uh, it was cr crazy fast. So when you, when you, you know, when you got it going, it was super fast. When you wanted to land it on the downwind leg, you're basically off the throttle and trying to, trying to get it slowed down enough. I mean, 
That plane's actually still in existence today. It, there's quite a history with that plane. Um, my flying ability has improved a lot. So when I when I flew that plane again last year and the year before, one of my friends bought it. Um, it totally different flying now that I'm able to. I, I know more about flying. So, I mean, at the time it was really fast and I had a hard time slowing it down. Now, now I can make the thing crawl. So amazing what experience can, uh, yeah, do, you know, means that when you're flying model planes, but, uh, but yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like a challenging turbine to fly. It must've been pretty small though. It's a pretty small <laughs> turbine, the 45. Oh yeah. It was, it was a nice size plane cause it fit in the back of basically any vehicle. Like the, the actual wingspan was I think 40 inches. Um, but it was just, it was literally just a big, uh, orange and white triangle. And so you could put it in any vehicle, super easy to fly, took like one point something liters of fuel. So very fuel efficient and, uh, pretty forgiving and, uh, just simple two servos you could use a five channel receiver in it and you'd be good. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So then, uh, obviously you just kept on progressing with jets then. Yeah. I ended up buying my second jet and that was a jet legend f-22 so it hopped right into scale aircraft and that thing i learned a ton on but uh, that's that was my next plane so when you started venturing into the turbines and developing in that area you said you, you ventured to scale but did were you into everything or was it a particular segment you know sports models or scale models um when i first started it, it kind of started off with the scale stuff um, now, like the past few years, like this past winter, I built myself an F4 and it sold before I even finished the aircraft. Um, so that, that was going to be my next scale jet, but somebody wanted it bad enough that they paid me for it a, a good number. So, but I, I really have a, a soft spot for the, the sports jets. Um, I love the fact that they're simple. Uh, they're easy to fly. Um, you can do anything with them. The scale stuff's fun, but they pose a whole bunch of challenges. Like the, the more complex you get, obviously, with something like an F-14 and F-18, you're dealing with just a, a ton of gear doors and a ton of possible problems. And, and uh, I'm kind of at that point right now that I just want to keep things simple. I'm with you. That's another yeah. thing we've got in common. We should get married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not that way inclined. But I anyway. do. <laughs> I do uh, because I'm building so many aircraft. I mean, I, I I'm just around the scale planes constantly, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, but um, love looking at yeah, them. Yeah, like, I'm I always yeah, ha- I'm very exactly. happy for someone to have that really beautiful scale jet that I can appreciate and get joy out of looking at. Yes. I'm glad you yeah. bought it because it's too complex for me, <laughs> and that's why exactly. I've got sport jets that's that's all i've got yes. and that's all i mean people say you should buy this f-18 no you buy it <laughs> i'll watch it and enjoy it <laughs> absolutely i think it's good when you can sit back and, and appreciate other people's planes and don't have to spend a month a cent on it so uh and when they absolutely. crash it, it's their their expense not mine I feel disappointed <laughs> exactly but, yeah oh well okay so let's fast forward now lighter side of rc venturing into the world of content creation around the hobby and what a murky world it becomes. And, you know, look, there's a lot of work involved in it. When did you start doing that? Well, 
there's a bit of non lighter side of RC stuff that brings me into that. I don't know if you want me to touch on that or not. Yeah. Um, but that, that's really how YouTube started. Like, so I, (laughs) this gets a bit into my non, non RC world too, but I, um, for, for many years, like lighter side of RC started in 2019 is really when it started. And, uh, for years before that, I always had the desire to start a YouTube channel. But the biggest issue for me was I didn't have anything to start it on. And um, if I would have start, been starting today, it would have been different. But um, yeah, so I, I didn't have anything to start it on. And uh, that was my biggest hurdle. So years went by and I have a couple kind of random videos early on in the, in the channel. I don't know if they're still up there or not. I can't remember. But uh, at the time, I owned one of the things I was doing. And this, this was like a side job. Me and a few friends owned a gym. And what ha- was happening with the gym is we needed to funnel a ton of money in every month to keep the darn thing afloat. And this would have been like 2017, 2018, and coming up on 2019, just before COVID started. So my the money I was making at my regular job wasn't enough to funnel all this money in. So I, and this is this is this may sound bad, but this kind of speaks to my work ethic. I needed to make money. I needed to make money fast. So I started with uh, delivering food for Skip the Dishes. I don't know if you guys have that there, but it's like DoorDash, Skip the Dishes, that type of stuff. Similar kind of things, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go start delivering food, make some extra money, funnel it to the gym. All is going to be good. And then while I'm, I'm starting this, I'm like, well, why don't I start making videos on this? And that's actually how YouTube started for me. That gave me the content. And this isn't, this is on my my other channel, which is just called The Lighter Side. Um, that channel for the longest time was just videos about me delivering food and people loved watching it. And that kind of helped me uh, develop the videos and learn how to edit videos and stuff. And then around a similar time, I, I mean, I, I've been doing airplane stuff for so long and 2019 rolled around and I thought, why don't I start a channel and like just video my my airplane stuff? Because that I enjoy and I stopped driving for Skip the Dishes and it kind of morphed into the lighter side of RC. So that's basically how it all started. I was doing it previous, you know, building aircraft for people, doing repairs, not to the extent that I am today, but that gave me the content for the channel. Okay, so that was the driver. Now, yeah. Having watched some of your videos, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who try to produce content for for various different things, including our hobby. And some mm-hmm. people fire, and some people don't fire. Um, and I'm not saying I'm one of those people that fires because uh, I'd have a lot more subscribers and viewers <laughs> if if I was. But <laughs> there's certain people that perform well on camera and come across really well on camera, and. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes back to a communication style. And I think that's one of your strengths is that when I started watching some Thank of your you. build videos, I went, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. This guy's presenting so well. I get it. I understand. It's so clear and it's engaging. I want to keep on watching. I want to keep on watching. <laughs> so, And I think that's something that you're almost born with in a kind of way. It's very hard to teach that and, yeah. and, and, and plan that out. So obviously you gravitated towards it. And what was that experience like though in coming up to speed with – all the gear that you need and how to make the video look good and all that kind of stuff. You know, it was it just a trial and error process that you'd started with the, the first channel. 
Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I look at some of my very first videos on either channel and it was like, the quality is just brutal, right? Like I started off both channels using a GoPro, which is pretty much the worst type of thing you can use for like low light, non-action mm. type stuff. And, uh, but, it, but the, the key was starting. That's really what it comes down to, right? Like I think so many people that want to, and, and I was, I was the, the victim of this as well too, right? Like not starting something and learning along the way. So I just decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to start it and I'm going to do the best I can at the time and just keep getting better. And, uh, you know, a hundred videos in, you're starting to get a little bit better. Another hundred videos in starting to get better. And even now, like, I think I've got like three to 400 videos on my lighter side of RC channel. And even now, like in the past 10 videos, I'm really starting to, to buckle down and change some more things about the video and I'm experimenting more and, and just trying to make it more engaging. Well, what's your schedule look like when it comes to shooting the videos? Because to produce that many videos, it's hard. Uh, it's, it's, it's yeah. a lot of work involved. So how do you plan everything out and what does your, your week sort of look like around the content? Um, the my normal schedule for videos and I, I I'm pretty consistent with this uh, for the past couple of years has been two videos a week. I change my uh, my go live days depending on the time of year. So now that we're in summer here, my go live days are Wednesdays and Sundays. And uh, during the winter, it is Saturdays and Tuesdays. I think is what I what I generally do, and that's just kind of you know winter here. North America, not a lot of people are doing stuff. So it's when most of my viewers are online. Uh, as far as scheduling the videos, that sometimes is easy and sometimes is hard and, and videoing the content. Uh, there are times when I'm like recording videos on a Saturday night and staying up till one or two in the morning to edit videos, uh, uploading it, waking up at 5 a.m. to make sure it actually uploaded, doing the final stuff on YouTube, and it's going live at 8 o'clock. Um, that's, that's not fun when we're in that scenario. And then uh, sometimes I'm two to three weeks to four weeks ahead on videos. So I've, I've already got weeks ahead, uh, already uploaded on YouTube, uh, which is awesome because then I can just kind of just float along, right, and take my time with stuff. So... That's kind of my schedule. It's uh, it definitely is a challenge, um, yeah. But it's it's pretty much. I, I spend most evenings in the shop. Most weekends are in the shop. Summertime changes things a little bit because we get out flying. But that's that's my winter. You make it sound easy, but I know it's more complex than that because you've got to <laughs> you've got to have topics. You've got to have something to to talk about. I know that a lot of the a lot of the videos are sort of build videos and that kind of stuff, which you can mm-hmm. sort of go on on the journey, but. Where most of us grab a model plane and start putting the servos in and that kind of stuff, you know, you've got to plan that out. And uh, yes. I, I interviewed, I've had Martin Pickering on on the show a number of times and, and Martin said to me that he asked the companies that might give him a model to build, he asked the company for two models, one that he builds first to understand what's involved and then one for shooting the video. How do you go uh, about about planning your content and knowing, you know, what are you going to shoot next? Um, I, I actually have a big list. So in, in my shop videos, sometimes you can catch this in the video, but there's a big whiteboard in the shop and I have got two months written out on that whiteboard. So as I, as I look at that, actually right now, uh, what are we, we're May, 
18th today. Um, I've got every video planned out to June 28th. Now, those videos are all fluid. Like I just, I switched two of them around uh, before this call, but that is my plan already a month and a half in advance for shooting videos. Yeah. How, how much time are you spending per week shooting? Uh, it's pretty much all the time that I'm in the shop. And uh, so it's usually on a, so I, I don't work at my regular job on Fridays. So it's, uh, it's essentially, I, I usually wake up early in the morning. I'm in the shop at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. And I'm usually out of here at noon, uh, midnight. So sometimes it's, it's 16, 18 hours a day. Uh, it's usually all day Saturday, a whole lot of Sunday. Um, and then of course there's family balance stuff thrown in there as well too. That's, you know, we, we always fit that type of stuff in, but that's, that's my normal, uh, normal schedule. Okay. It's, it's a lot of hours. That is, it's a lot of work that goes into it. Okay. I just want to get yes. out for a minute. Uh, how many cameras are you using? <laughs> so I'm using, uh, generally most of my recording is on my, uh, Canon marks, uh, G seven X mark three or something like that. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, and then I've got a DJI Osmo Pocket that I use for for B-roll and uh, and side shots and stuff. So it's pretty much those two. Of course, uh, my my phone does does things here and there, but those are the two cameras I use. Okay, I'm a Sony guy. Sorry, I have to differ <laughs> on that point. You talked about low light. That's why I use the Sony's. You know. Well, I I actually hate my camera. It's it's terrible. So I, I need a new camera as well. I'm, I'm I just bought a microphone set, so I'm the camera is the next purchase on the list yeah yeah it's it's a slippery slope though uh yes I've got tens of thousands of dollars worth of camera gear because hey i just need that now and now i need that. <laughs> and it keeps on growing 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 and yes and, but i'll tell you what model airplane stuff is a nightmare to shoot especially out in the field out mm -hmm. trying to shoot planes flying is just the biggest bugbear and often i just resort to the phone <laughs> I just grabbed the phone and go, yes. just record it on the phone. Martin Pickering did tell me about a Sony camera that he's got, which seems to work really, really well. Um, yeah. I thought, oh, do I need to buy another camera and have another fifth camera? <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm trying all sorts of different things. It's just, it's a nightmare shooting, shooting yeah. flying objects that move quickly and that are far away. <laughs> Absolutely. And you have no idea where they're going. Yeah, yeah. And then, and often you're flying the plane in to get somebody else to film, and that pros. Yeah, just use yeah. the just use the phone. The phone will be easy. they can handle yeah. that. There's nothing, no settings or anything. <laughs> just point and shoot. No. Okay, exactly. so you're spending. A, 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 everyone that listens, that watches uh, Jonathan's channel, understand he, he's working hard, uh, and and no doubt you get some revenue from YouTube and that kind of stuff that helps. Uh, of course. Go along. But uh, look, I, I don't think it's enough to give up everything and, and, and work uh, full-time on the channel. <laughs> no. No. A, a lot of people think, no. oh, you make a fortune off YouTube. Go, yeah. You've got to work very <laughs> no, hard for the money. Yes. It's a lot of work for, for the amount that it actually is. But the good thing about it is I think, and the reason why I think your channel is successful is, one, you present really, really well and you're very watchable. No? Whether that's a word, I don't know, no, but watchable. And secondly, you're doing something that is not easy, that that – it's easy yeah. for me to go and shoot a video at a flying event because I'm at the flying event. It's just me talking to a camera and, and observing what's yes. going around. If I had to go and shoot a video that where I'm building something, there's a lot more considerations and planning because now it's not just, oh, I'm going to drill this hole. No, wait a second. I've got to set the camera up. 
And yeah, <laughs> um, but and that is quite engaging. That it's amazing. I'm not a great builder, and I don't enjoy building necessarily at this point in time in my life. When I get older, I've got projects mm. for when I'm older. I've got to build a super chipmunk at some point in time, but uh, it's, <laughs> it's going to happen. It's at, later in life when I retire, that kind of thing. But uh, I think that it's 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 the kind of content where you can really sink your teeth in. I dare say your viewing time per video is probably pretty good. That uh, there'll be yeah. people hanging on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it depends on the on the video. I mean, sometimes if my video is watched by the regular channel watchers. Um, most of them watch the entire thing. I mean, they, they either sit down and watch it and focus on it. And this is, I, I'm telling you this from comments from people more or less, uh, and also some of the data shown on YouTube, but, um, and some of them just have it playing in their shop or, you know, their workspace in the background all the time. But, uh, you know, when I, when I have a video, like I just did this, the, the Colm engine for this, the Strega, yeah. um, and that one. And I, I knew it would be viewed by non-regular channel viewers. So the, 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 the time people watch that video goes down substantially because it's, you know, YouTube sharing it more, right? So you get like guys that are interested in engines uh, looking at it and, and stuff. So, um, but yeah, in general, the, the watch timing, most of my videos are fairly long, like 20 to 40 minutes. And many viewers are watching the whole thing. Yeah, which is good. Now, the big mm -hmm. question is everybody wants to know, where do you get all the equipment? Are you buying it? Are you getting sponsors? Where do you get all the models from to build? Um, most of the, like 75% of the, the, the planes I'm doing on the channel are for customers. So a lot of people think I have some sort of uh, affiliation with SkyMaster. I don't. Uh, there's zero there. Um, I've reached out to them and they have not shown any interest, which is too bad because a lot of people say I, I uh, do a lot for SkyMaster and help them with their builds. But all of the SkyMaster planes that I've been building, as an example, are a result of customers buying them and wanting me to build them. Um, my personal aircraft, a lot of them are uh, sponsored or people are helping with, uh, depending on what I'm doing for them or with them, uh, which is awesome. Um, I mean, I, I appreciate that huge, you know, I've got a few, few sponsors of the channel that have, have really started since the very beginning and, and I will always support their products. Um, partly because they make great products, but they've, uh, they reached out in the very beginning and said, I want to help this guy out, which is, is, is wonderful. Right. So um, yeah, so that, that's kind of where the models are coming from. I mean, most of my builds are, are for people. And uh, if it's not one of my personal personal projects, it's usually for somebody else. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always it's, it's a challenge because when you're producing content, you need to have a product. And it, it, it yes. fascinates me. You know, I've had a magazine here in Australia for the hobby and, uh, you know, the YouTube channel, the podcast, all that kind of stuff and stuff that I've been playing around with. And it's always been hard to get any industry support, especially manufacturers of models are hard, especially the jets because they're very expensive and, and they don't yes. make a lot of money and they don't want to give away stuff. But I think they'd be amazed at how much you would be helping sell stuff. Uh, and that it, 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 yeah. it, it's, you know, we talk about the role of influencers in today's world, it's sort of relatively new word influencers when you think about it, but 
Yeah. Where do we go? I know that every model that I've bought, I've gone onto YouTube and watched videos and especially build videos. How am I going to build this? Because yeah. it's, I want to know what servos are going to fit, where, you know, how am I going to mount the turbine? Where do I put all the gear? Um, I recently bought an, another jet and, and, I watched videos on a guy that had really d- had done an overview of that model and he was the only guy that had done mm-hmm. an overview of that model and so I could understand, okay, this is how it's going to be laid out once I get it and what I need to do and what I need to be mindful of and it's all part of the that purchase process. But um, I just I always get a little bit disappointed in, in the lack of support that the industry has with um, some people like yourself that uh, I don't think they realise from a business perspective what, what it can do for them. But anyway... It's good to hear you've got some <laughs> yes. good good support. And you know what we do as, as content creators, when someone does support us, oh, they're our family now. Thank you. Yeah. We are going to look after yeah. and give you as much value. <laughs> and I think but and I oh, think totally. you, I think also you do it in a way that is not a blatant plug. Uh yeah. you know, that and I think that's important as well because there's nothing worse than someone saying, Hey, uh, you know, they gave me this and blah, blah, blah. And you should buy this. And yeah. it's the sales job. It's no, no. I saw the the latest sport jet that you built and I went, gee, that's nice. And I started looking at yeah. I started looking at oh, where can you get them from? I wonder how much they cost. What's that like? Because <laughs> oh, I like the paint scheme on it. And then you crashed it. I went, Oh, I've been there before. <laughs> well, and one of my uh one of my important things that I guess everybody needs to know too is like I've said no to lots of things as well. And uh, whether they're related in the industry or not, um, I, I'm not going to support a product that, I, that I'm not willing to use. And, uh, you know, I'll have it on the channel. I'll test it. And if I like it, it's going to continue to be on the channel, whether, whether I'm using it just personally or whether they're supporting the channel or sponsoring the channel, sponsoring videos, whatever it might be. But, uh, yeah, I, I've said no to quite a few opportunities as well. Yeah, uh, you've got to do that though to, to maintain integrity. When when I had yes. when I had a magazine, I, I vowed that what I would do is always be honest about the the yes. model. And if the model was bad, I wouldn't write an article about it. I'd just go back and say, "No, this is not yeah. good." Um, or question, <laughs> "Hey, we found a problem in setting up the flaps. Can you go back to the factory and just ask them what's going on?" All right. Once yeah. we get that answer and we understand, because sometimes I'd be given a pre-production model. You know, and that, mm-hmm. that was still refining. Um, and once we got a sufficient answer, then okay, I'm happy with that answer. I know that it's not going to happen with the end users. And, and I think often people think when it comes to things like magazine articles and reviews that people just say the same thing. Well, we're talking about the same thing. We're going to tell you how it was built and you know putting it together and how it flies and that kind of stuff. Okay, so you're building a lot of models. Obviously, you like building. Then you're building models for yes. other people. Yeah. Yeah, you know, was that something you did from day one? You really were interested in the building side of things. Uh, I'm I'm by nature a tinker, and I like to be creative. So that is something that I enjoyed when I started making videos. As it was for me, it was just another creative outlet. Um, so I I do like that. Whether I'm building a jet or editing a video or or whatever, uh, there are certain things I don't like doing. But um, so for me, it's. It, it's uh, it's just good downtime, I guess, is what you might want to call it. Um, but I, I do really enjoy it, yes. So no doubt you're not just staring at the viewer numbers and that keeps egging you on to no. enjoy producing another video? Exactly, yeah. And uh, building planes, yeah, totally totally does it for me. I, I love it. I've had a few people uh, people say, you know, you got to slow down, you got to take it easy, you're going to burn yourself out. It's like, yeah, I don't think you understand me. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Actually, you know, I, I, I was thinking about that. I'm a very driven person and I, I, my wife thinks I've got ADHD and I can't sit still. But it's amazing <laughs> yeah. how there's people that want to slow you down and you're going, no, no, I'm running a different race here. I, I, don't, yes. I don't think you quite understand how I operate, that, no, no, yeah. this is sitting still on a beach staring out at the ocean is not relaxing for me. Because I'll be thinking, exactly. imagine if I had my kite surfer here. I need a jet ski. Imagine if we had a jet ski. We can go. <laughs> so no doubt you've got a bit of that in you as well and, and you keep on driving. When it comes to the builds and doing the videos, no doubt you're planning out, okay, I'm going to work on this today and I'm going to talk about that and then shooting that. Yeah. Yep, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. The Colm engine, I'll tell you what. They don't sound <laughs> any better than a Colm, do they? Oh, my gosh, that thing is scary. It's... Uh... It's awesome. <laughs> it really is. Do you know, Ali Machinchi uh, did a video uh, about his uh, Colm engine in a, a in a some calf model Strager or something like that. Yeah. And um yeah. and he said it's scary to fly. He yes. just was scared. I don't think it actually. It didn't sound like it was a great plane to fly. But I tell you what, is it is that a, a model for a for you know, a customer or something for yourself? Yeah, it's for it's for one of my customers, one of my good friends, actually. So the the it's going in Estrega, and uh, it'll actually live here. It's not going to live in his house because we're just going to be flying it together. So, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I mean it it doesn't like when I'm when I'm looking at the I'm actually staring at the engine right now while we're talking, and I'm staring at the plane, and it's like there's no way that's going to fit in the front of that plane. I know it, <laughs> I know it does, but yeah, no way it does. <laughs> so, and cooling it yeah. and all that kind of stuff, are, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's very specific for sure. Well, they're just a phenomenal sounding, sounding. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's a, it's amazing. Okay, so the jet crash, <laughs> the most recent one. Yeah, yeah. I was watching the video this morning, uh, and you know, I've been there. I, I can feel the pain, and and again, it was out of your mm-hmm. control because something went wrong. What went wrong? Well, I, I still haven't dove into it. It's it's been sitting in a pile here in the in the shop for a couple of weeks. Um, I'm I'm gonna get into it, and I'll probably do a video like a almost something like what you did uh, with the crash crash investigation, but it'll be a little bit more technical, a little bit less fun. Um, I I have some ideas on what happened. I've been talking to a few people, and I think there might be an issue with the um, the software generation on the ECU with that turbine. Um, when I started uh, being a, a, a Sweewind dealer, this is actually the very first engine that I got from them. So it's a pretty old engine that's never, like it only had three hours put on it while I owned it uh, before it ended up in this new plane. So ultimately what happened from from my perspective in a quick view of the telemetry is I was I did my gear pass and I turned on my downwind leg. And I think it was probably before I turned or just after I turned on my downwind leg, I went to throttle up a little bit because I realized I was getting slow and there was zero throttle response, but the engine was still running. So at that time, and I, everybody's got an opinion on this, but at that time I'm like, yeah, I need to keep as much speed as possible, flaps up turn try and make it back to the runway now if the engine actually quit two seconds earlier or whenever it did 
I, I probably would have got the plane down just fine because I would have, you know, you would have heard it. Number one, you would have seen the little smoke trail that comes out, and uh, and that would have been it. So, so that's kind of from the uh, from the thirty thousand foot view. That's kind of what happened at this point. I'm going to dig into the telemetry of the the turbine, the jetty system, and, and see if I can find a a definitive answer because everybody wants, well, and including me, I want the definitive answer. So. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one that you know, and and, and yeah, you know, I witnessed a, a really nice scarmo go in recently, and again, it mm-hmm. wasn't really any. It wasn't the pilot's fault. The engine cut at at, at uh, you know a low elevation, and yeah, what can you do? A plane needs to a plane will stall, and uh, yeah, and you exactly. need to recover. You need space to recover, and uh, and it's just always sad to see see models like that. That that model though, um, tell us a bit about that sport jet because. Uh, that looked nice. Yeah, it's a Hispano Aviation Bull. Uh, I saw it for the first time uh, a few years back, but I saw it in person when I went to Kentucky Jets last year. And uh, Manny there at uh, at Aeropanda, I was uh, spending most of my time with those guys, and Manny got me up for two flights on it. And I, I fell in love with it. I mean, the, the looks of it, I, I love that, but the flying capabilities of it too, I fell in love with. So um, yeah, they had one in stock. I ended up ordering it, getting it shipped up here. And um, it's just like, a, it's almost like buying the Ferrari of jets, right? When you look at the, the aircraft, it's built just amazingly well. It's really light. Um, I mean, similar aircraft, like this one came in at 30 pounds dry. Uh, similar aircraft would be like a, a Viper jet in this size, same kind of layout, right? And uh, most Viper jets in this size are, you're talking about 34 to 36 pounds. So they, you know, they've managed to knock off four to five pounds to six pounds off the, the weight of the aircraft, but it's still really strong. So that's, that's an important one. You know, I had a the Skymaster Viper jet that went in and, and okay, that model was, over a 10 year design um you know 10 years old mm-hmm. and now my latest viper jet that i've got is probably yeah. two kilograms lighter straight away just airframe yeah uh, due to the the construction technique and, and that kind of thing and that will yeah. change the wing loading and transform the way the plane will fly uh kind of thing probably hopefully make it a bit easier and that kind of thing so what other planes do you have in your hangar that you own that are personally yours uh, right now, I've got the, not a ton, actually. I've got the F4, which uh, is, it's still here, but it's sold. Uh, it'll go to its new owner in the US uh, this year at some point. Um, I've got my Boomerang Super Alan, which I just finished. Um, the build series on, that was my last video that came out. And I've got another one that I'll mention it on the podcast because the video is coming out on Sunday, but it's the... Uh, ST Jets, so Sergio Tiesta Jets, it's a kinetics model. So it's one that they recently uh, came out with. Again, it's the first time I saw it was at Kentucky Jets last year, and they did up a custom scheme for me, and it, uh, it is beautiful. So those are my, uh, my, my aircraft that I own, and I've got a couple of prop planes and helis and stuff like that. But, and then also I've got a Boomerang Ranger as well, which I haven't flown yet. So Your local flying field, half our way. Ooh, that's a good question. I actually belong to two of them. So the first one is about 20 minutes from my place. Um, I don't fly there a lot. 
And the reason I don't fly there a lot is the politics. And that, that really ties into my, the name of my channel. And the field I fly at most often is two hours away. And I love that field because we just go there and have fun. And there's zero politics. We just go there and fly our planes. Take note, everybody. Lighter side of RC. <laughs> That's what it is about. I'm getting in my car. After we finish, I'm going to get in my car and drive for three hours out to the countryside to a, a model flying yeah. event. And I love just getting out of town, you know, away yes. from – you know, I, I enjoy my local club, but it's not as special as driving away and getting out in the middle of nowhere and having a fly. Yes. And it's almost like you're a visitor, so you can't don't have time to get involved in any internal politics that might be there. So you don't get sucked into all that. But um, <laughs> but you know what? It happens in every hobby, every club, association. Yeah. You know, I, I play table tennis and there's politics in table tennis. Oh my gosh, really? Oh, (laughs) as soon as you get, I always say, when you get a whole bunch of people together that are like minded, they're going to slowly try to pull each other apart, you know. And, 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 because you're dealing with different personalities. Some people have got, you know, egos or or whatever they've got going on in their head that drive them to behave in a certain way. And that creates the drama. And some of it is just playing drama. Anyway, and how often do you get to get to go flying? You know, we know that winter in, in Canada is not a great place to go flying. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, how often do you, in, in, the, in the warmer months, how often are you getting out there? Um, I try and get out every week. Uh, it's not a, not a, like during the week, I, I, I won't generally go flying unless I have something that needs to be flown. Um, but usually what happens in the spring, summer, fall is all of our events start happening, right? So, you get a lot of uh, a lot of stuff combined in a short amount of time. So you know, in May we don't have many events, but starting in June, I actually go down to the U.S. to Montana Jets, and that's a uh, we go down there early in the week, so we're there for like four or five days, just flying constantly, and uh, and then after that, it's you know, you usually a week goes by, then you're at another event, and then a week goes by, and you're at another event. So kind of June, July, August, I fly quite a bit. So it uh, it does make videos a bit of a challenge, but um, in a normal in a normal week without an event going on, I'll I'll usually get out on a Friday or Saturday for a day. Yeah, that's good. You know, do you find that getting out there at the field is a good uh, good way to clear your mind? Absolutely. We because the field's a two hour drive away. Usually, you're planning for the day. So I'll bring multiple planes. I usually haul my trailer with me bring the barbecue, bring some food or somebody else does. We kind of pre-plan it all. And it's, you know, you get there, you fly a few flights, you have lunch, you fly till six, seven, eight o'clock at night. And it's just an awesome day. So I enjoy, I enjoy the whole experience. Actually, like I'm really looking forward to hitching up my trailer. I've got a big trailer to mm-hmm. tow my big hundred cc aerobatic planes and whatever. And I'm looking forward to putting a podcast on. Not yeah. mine, Jonathan. I don't, you know, people say, do you listen to your podcast? I go, why? I've lived it. Exactly. I don't want to hear this voice anymore. Uh, you know, and I edit them as well. So, you know, I do listen to them. But yeah. I'll listen to generally non-aero modeling podcasts or stuff, you know, my, my, yeah. my series of podcasts that we all have to listen to. And then get yeah. in there and then we're going to go out to, we're going to go to the pub and we're going to have a, have dinner with each other and have a chat. Yes. And, do what men do when they get together, pick on each other and rib each other. And yep. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> it's a universal exactly. thing. And then I'm yes. going to drive home and think, 
I've achieved something this weekend. I had a good time. And it's it's going to be cold. Yeah. You know, the weather's turning here where I am in Melbourne. It's uh, starting to get a bit chilly. Oh, yeah. So um, do you ski? No, I don't. Oh, I, I, uh, I do know how to ski and we, I, I've got three daughters and a few years ago, we actually got them all geared up and everything and, and we taught them how to ski and, uh, that's, so we, we can do it. I just, honestly, I just don't enjoy the cold weather and the older I get, the worse it is. So I love that. I live in Canada and I don't really enjoy the cold weather. <laughs> no. <laughs> Looking at your website, you also obviously sell a few things as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, with, with, with everything going on in my world, um, the, uh, the hobby and income gets compensated in multiple ways. So, you know, you've got the YouTube side of things, you've got channel sponsors, um, obviously different products and stuff like that, that are either discounted or, or supplied, uh, selling stuff on the website. And, uh, so it's, everything adds up basically. That's what you have to do, really. You know, it's um, yeah. I th- I think the thing that you've done is you're really making the most of it and really working hard at it. And you know, it's one thing I want to stress to all the listeners out there that you know a lot of these people that we see on YouTube, especially with the hobby, um, that are, that are doing really well, they're, they're working really hard. Uh, and yeah, and we get the benefit of it by just getting the entertainment value out of it. And um. You know, so we should uh, we should support people like yourself because uh, <laughs> you know I, the, the way the world's become is that you know people make an effort and mm-hmm. you know sometimes we need to have a financial reward to to fund the activity like to go and buy another camera it doesn't come for free and I think no like exactly that, and I think you know you look at what's happened in the music industry that started many years ago. The artists yeah. say we don't get paid a lot now for for the movie. We have to tour to make money. We're not making money out of selling yeah. records anymore because there aren't any records. And you know, yeah, so uh, so when it comes to future plans with the channel, just more of the same, or have you got uh, you know expanding anything? Um, we are doing some different stuff now. So the uh, the style, the video style, you'll see change over the next uh, next few weeks. I, I have some ideas on uh, on things i want to do and I'm, I'm starting to implement that so just just different techniques and filming filming but that i mean that that's an ever-changing uh thing with uh with content creation so that's uh that's always morphing but we are getting into some of the um i guess side things that really benefit the hobby so um, actually right now, just before we started this, I was, uh, recording uh, a video for uh, a 3d printer and I did a quick unboxing video a few weeks back. And, uh, so that's one of the things we're kind of getting into as well too, but really for that, it's also the primary focus is going to be around how we use it in the shop and how it integrates with, with builds and, and so on. Um, some laser, laser type machines and, and some different technology there. So. Do you get inspiration from any other, um, you know, YouTube channels or other people in the hobby? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, you mentioned Martin Pickering. Uh, he's he's really one of my heroes. And uh, when I first started this, I remember watching his videos and looking at him. And 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 I, I don't want this to come across the, the the wrong way, but when I first started my YouTube channel, I was like, man, I want to be 
I want to have my YouTube channel where his is one day. And I think at the time he was like 18,000 subscribers. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I made the comment to my wife. I was like, hey, remember what I told you three years ago about uh, my hero there? She's like, yeah. I'm like, well, I finally surpassed him in subscribers. So yeah. <laughs> it was it was a happy day for me when I hit 30,000 and Martin was still at 29. But uh, yeah, it's uh, so I, I, I watch his stuff. But honestly, I, I don't actually watch a whole lot of RC stuff on YouTube. Um uh, at least not lately. Most of my most of the content I'm viewing is either podcasts or interviews, or uh, channel improvement videos. Like that's I, I'm just gobbling that stuff up for the past couple of months. And I'm while I'm driving, I'm listening. While I'm in the shop, I'm listening. And that's kind of where I'm getting my new fresh ideas from on on just video styles and stuff. So yeah, makes a lot of sense. I, I you know I've, yeah. I've talked about this on my podcast before that. I, I don't watch a lot of flying videos. You know, oh, mm-hmm. there's another plane flying. Um, we know yeah. that we know that crash videos really perform well and those yeah, kind yeah. of things. You know, if you, you know if we really wanted to get a lot of views, we'd just go to events and film everybody crashing. But spend all of our time <laughs> yeah. looking through camera lens, waiting for the crash, hope that we got it, and then we'll splice together a whole sequence of crashes and we'll get a lot of views. But you know, that's just boring, isn't it? We don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You, the value of your channel is that you're teaching us things. And the amazing thing is how motivated you get to do that, to, to follow your suit and build something and you know, build your skills and that kind of stuff. And I think that's why the channel goes so well. Plus, you're producing a lot of videos, which always gives the audience a reason to keep on coming back. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I 100% think you're doing the right thing um, as well. Well, and I appreciate that. It's uh, I get quite a few emails on a regular basis, and, and the the awesome emails like that are, are they just pick my spirits up, right? Where somebody's like, you know, I love what you're doing on the channel. Um, I ordered this sky master plane because of you and I'm, you know, I'm following all your videos and everything like that. Just, it, it's pretty awesome to hear that. So it's uh, it's a real pick me up for sure. What about when you get the comment, less talking, more flying. Oh gosh, <laughs> and that's I, just constant. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and, do, constant. and do you know what? I, <laughs> sometimes I feel like responding. No, I don't want to. There's the trolls everywhere for sure, and they, uh, yeah, they they make it an interesting experience being a YouTube creator. You're very focused in what you're doing, and 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 you do it for yourself. You're doing for that challenge for yourself. Um, yes. You know, yeah. It's and that that I think what keeps you on the straight and narrow, and and as long as you do that, the content's gonna, you know, it will resonate. It'll be fine. And the for good sure. thing is, like, yeah. you can make changes, and and the audience will just come with you. And the changes you're trying to make, yes. you're trying to improve. And if it doesn't work, they probably haven't realized. You just look at it and go, oh, I don't think that was as good. <laughs> <laughs> the numbers will still be there. So, you know, you're on a roll. Okay. Yeah. Um, projects on the horizon. Did I cover that? Ooh, we got or not? some good ones. No, we've got. Uh... And don't divulge anything you don't want to divulge. You, like, you said that you've got a new video coming out, which is perfect because this, this podcast will come out after your video. So, you know, we can support yeah. that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, some of the stuff is uh, I've talked about it already. So the kinetics is uh, is one of the next ones up and up and uh, in the queue. Uh, we're doing the Karf Strega, which has the Coleman engine getting installed. So those are kind of starting right now. Um, we've got uh, a Skymaster F fourteen XL showing up, Ooh, uh, which that that's been announced. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a monster. 
And then with that, SkyMaster uh, is also an SU-30. And uh, so those are some of the, the up-and-coming projects. And then probably as we get into fall, we're going to have a CARF uh, Rebel, a normal size Rebel, and then a, a BVM Super Bandit, which is going to be an interesting one because it's it's a it's a kit, right? So it's uh, a lot more in depth, and uh, yeah, it's uh, that's going to be a fun one. So those are some of the the initial projects. Then we've got a, a few more coming up during the winter. So how long does it take you to turn around uh, an average build? Mm. Some of the scale jets, like the bigger scale jets, it's usually five to seven weeks. It's pretty normal. Um, five, five weeks is kind of the goal. Sometimes it goes a little bit over. And uh, sports jets, like you can you can have most of the sports jets. Are, I can have most of the sports jets done in about a week to two weeks. Gee, you're moving fast. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it is. And obviously, a lot of these are customer builds. Yes. Yep, well, I'll tell you sure. what, the customers will be happy. <laughs> yeah. It took me five years to assemble a 100cc plane that I had, uh, and you could probably do that in about <laughs> a day and a half. I think you could probably build it. This is an ARF too. Not much to them. But, uh, Maybe two days. Come on now. <laughs> okay, I'll give, you two, I'll give you a bit of a rest, you know. <laughs> you need to have some family time in between, but, um, but yeah, no, <laughs> yeah that's, exactly. That's good going. So obviously, you're experienced enough now to know what to do to get to the end outcome as efficiently as possible. Yeah, the um, that's one of the things when you start building a lot of the same planes from the same manufacturer, uh, you really start to know exactly what they generally do because they're doing the same thing on every plane, right? And I'll, I'll use SkyMaster as an example. I'm not definitely not promoting them for anything, but, uh, um, that's what I've built the most of. So when, you know, when you do a SkyMaster, uh, plane number one, it's the same general layout as SkyMaster plane number 10, right? So they're using the same ball joints and same linkages and, and stuff. So it makes things a lot easier. And I've already, I built so many of their F-18 models that like, I just, I just finished one that that's not on the channel at all, but it's, uh, I got that one done in a few weeks and it was, it was a pretty quick build for a friend. So. Yeah. What are some of your tips that you've learned that you'd like to pass on, you know, at a high level when it comes to building the jet? The biggest one for me, well, there, there, there's a few. I mean, one of the, one of the biggest ones for me is, uh, number one, try and have everything in place beforehand. That's one thing for me. Like, I, I really don't like starting a kit if I've only got some of the parts here. Um, I really want to have everything here. And uh, once you do it, enough times you kind of know how things are going to get laid out which has been a really huge time saver for me but that just comes with experience um lock tight everything <laughs> that's a big one i've seen uh i've seen a lot of planes go in because somebody missed lock tight on one screw so it's uh that that's uh, that's also a huge one but then for me one of the big things i like to have is systems um i'll have systems in place for certain things and what i mean by that is if i if i start disassembling a landing gear to loctite everything um, i won't leave that landing gear until everything's done uh, when i do an f-18 landing gear there's like 60 something screws to loctite on there uh, i just mark everyone with a sharpie so I know that it, that they've been done. So uh, systems are are I think are very important, and they help to make 
an aircraft that's that's as good as it can possibly be. Makes a lot of sense. There's some good tips there. Do you love high soul? Oh, I love high soul. There's <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine, big Gavin Sexton, who is a follower of yours here in Australia. Yeah, now, he put me on to you. He said, "Oh, you got to let's have a look at the lighter side of RC." I think he, <laughs> I think he he eats high soul. He uses. <laughs> High soul is the answer to everything, apparently. Totally. Yeah. It's hard to get at the moment, apparently. Yeah, we did. Uh, actually, I needed some a few few months ago, and I had to order it through a friend, and we just ordered a case at a time. So I actually ordered a case of, I think it was 12 or something like that, 12 tubes. And, uh, yeah, but that goes pretty quick too. So Apparently, the holdup is not in the actual glue itself. It's the getting the, um, the outside holder. The little uh, syringy kind of plastic thing has been a sh- yeah. short supply. So, who would have thought the world that we live in is a bit know, weird eh? at the moment? <laughs> well, we saw the same thing with Cortex gyros too. So, oh, well, yes, they probably needed chips of some variety. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. What's your day job? Um, I manage a stucco company. Um, that, that's the really narrow down version of what I do, but I, I manage a company in, in the construction industry. There's lots of facets to it. So I don't just do that, but, um, most of my time is sitting behind the desk or on sites, doing site meetings, measuring, meeting with people, stuff like that. So, well, it's good. You got the, uh, you got both things going, You're doing a great job with the, uh, the lighter side of RC. Now we've got to the final question. The question that everybody <laughs> wants to know the answer to. And I'll tell you what, it's often for many people, it's a very difficult question to answer. And that question is, what yes. has been your favorite model of all time that you've owned? So my, and this, this isn't my current favorite, but it, it's over the span of me being in turbine jets. This is my favorite model to own. Um, it is definitely, I, I don't know where I got this phrase from, but it's a belly button jet. So everybody's got one. And uh, it's the it's the composite R for Carf Ultra Flash. Ooh. I have owned so many of those things. I think I've owned six or seven of them. Um, I sold my last one uh, this past winter. And so I don't currently own one, but I've usually always had one in the stable. So yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's just a great jet. Um, I I I would dare to say it's probably the the biggest or most produced jet out there. I mean, I can't ma- can't imagine the hundreds, if not thousands, that they've made of that thing. Yes, you will guaranteed to go to a turbine event and you'll see a number of flashes. And generally, <laughs> yes. as the name suggests, they're not going slow. No, no. And when somebody says, you know, great first jet, no, it's not. No. <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they can get real fast, real quick, and you know once you once you know what you're doing, they're easy to land. But yeah, you have to slow them down, and and but they are built really strong. So yeah, good brand, uh, you know, good quality, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's a it's, it's a good choice. Well done. Uh, you need to. It sounds like you need to Thank get another you. one. Uh, get another one back <laughs> in the stable. Get out there and, and enjoy it. Jonathan, it's been a pleasure having a chat with you. Uh, yeah, you Thank too. you once again for, for everything you're doing. Everyone, jump onto YouTube and, and search up The Lighter Side of RC and subscribe and go to the website, thelightersideofrc.com. Uh, 
take a look. Uh, if you're in the US or Canada, you probably get some good stuff direct from from Jonathan. Take a look. Support his sponsors. Support Jonathan. Well done. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Appreciate it. About to leave. Already packing. Come with me. I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. Another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done and dusted. And I'll tell you what. What a great guy Jonathan is. A big thank you to Jonathan Boat for joining me from the lighter side of RC. Don't forget, jump on to YouTube to, and search for lighter side, L-I-G-H-T-E-R, side of RC, S-I-D-E, of RC, lighter side of RC. Get onto his YouTube channel and subscribe. Pump up those numbers uh, and give him some support and um, just take a look at some of the videos because they're really good. He's got an amazing communication style and it's very um very easy to understand and, and you'll learn a lot from from watching him and uh you know, as you heard he, he's building a lot of models for customers and stuff like that so a lot of people trust him with his building skills and uh that kind of thing also jump onto his website the lighter side of rc.com uh you can uh he sells a few products if you're in canada uh, or in the u.s market a uh, great place to go is uh, support jonathan through lighter side of rc.com you'll see some products that he has uh, for sale as well. So that's it. Whilst you're in the mood for subscribing, jump onto the Flat Out RC YouTube channel, jump onto our Instagram page and our Facebook page, and of course, subscribe to this podcast and tell your mates about it. Let's grow this Flat Out RC movement. I'll be back. I think I know which guest I'm going to interview. So that means there will be another guest guest in a couple of weeks' time. Till then, get out there, get out flying. Take your friends and expose them to uh, to the lighter side of RC, the great side of RC. I'll be back. Talk to you then. See ya.